hands up, next level church. I just want to play air guitar all the way through that. I'm just. I love it, man. Welcome, everybody. This is our home run series, part four. So excited that you're here. Gateway Campus, welcome to you guys. Plantation all weekend long, welcome to you. I love Feeding Fort Myers weekend. Feeding Fort Myers. Yes, I love this weekend because uh, it was over a decade ago that we really just made that decision as a leadership team. We said, you know what? We don't want to be a church that's only concerned about what's happening on the inside of our four walls. Like, we don't want to just be about us, and now we have two sets of four walls, I guess you could say. But anyway, we don't want to be a church that's just about that. We want to be a church that is about the people out there. We want to be a church that's about mobilizing not only the next levelites, but our entire city to, to impact people who are far from God, people who need a touch of love from, from God. And so that's what Feeding Hort Myers is all about. Think of it, over 200 parties, you guys, all across Southwest Florida, tens of thousands of cans, such an incredible thing. So Next Level Church, let me just say thank you. Thank you for getting the vision of Next Level, that creating a place that people love so they can experience a loving God happens far beyond the reaches of what happens here in our weekend services. So guys, come on, give yourselves a hand, Next Level Church. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is our home run series. And over the last few weeks, we've been, we've been covering a lot of ground. And we've been talking about how God's best for us is that we live a home run life. That God wants us to hit a home run, if you will, in our life and in our leadership. And, and so we've been talking about the fact that how we run the bases matters. That everything begins and ends at home plate. And that is our connection with God. Our relationship with God. That when we learn to win with God... We truly are on the path to winning in our life. And then we talked about first base last weekend and how first base is winning within, that we've got we've to figure out the character issues, the integrity issues of our heart. And then second base is winning with others. And then third base is winning results or winning success. That, that that's the part that the world gets that the world basically thinks that you can go from home to third success or results in your life and then run back to home. And they call that a home run. But what we're discovering is that that's actually an out, that it's important for us to win on all four of the bases. And so uh, we're talking this weekend and all of our services about second base. We're talking about winning with others, winning with others. And, and, and let me say this, this second base is the people base. It's the people base. And here's the thing about the people base. Think about it. Let me ask you a question. When you think about all of the greatest moments of your life, okay, all of the, like the mountaintop moments, the greatest moments of your life, okay, all of us, no matter who you are, no matter what campus you're at, if you're watching online, listen, every single one of us, without exception, when we think about the greatest moments, the mountaintop moments of our life, every single one of us, they always include other people, don't they? I think about the birth of my two sons who are now 14 and almost 12. And when I think about that mountaintop experience of both of my kids being born, I'm like, my wife was there. <laughs> no, like for real, like couldn't have done it without her. Like that's amazing. Like, like my marriage too. Like that's awesome. Like, but isn't it true? Think about it. Like if you win at work, if your team won some trophy at work, guess what? It, more than likely it wasn't an individual thing. And even if one individual got the, 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 the reward for it, you and I both know that it was, it was a team effort, that there were more people around the scenes making it happen. The greatest moments, the mountaintop moments of our life always include others. But the opposite is true as well, aren't they? Think about it. When you think about the low seasons, when you think about 
the difficult seasons, when you think about the seasons of pain, the seasons of struggle, when you think about the most difficult seasons of your life, it always includes people, doesn't it? And more times than not, most of the time, the most painful seasons of our life don't just include people, but they're actually the result of other people. So when it comes to our relationships, it really is kind of a best of times, worst of times, as Charles Dickens would say, reality, isn't it? That when it comes to our relationships, it really is, you can't, you can't live with them and you can't live without them. But here's the thing. That's exactly how God created us to be. God created us to be relational people. And so, yes, when it comes to relationships, you can't live with them and you can't win, live without them. But, but here's the deal. In the same way that we all can think of mountaintop moments that include others, in the same way, we all have pain from relationships in our past. It's just a fact of life. And here's the point that I want to make this weekend and what I want to talk about for the few minutes uh, during part four of this home run series. It's this, pain in our life left undealt with will cause us to miss the home run life. Let me say it again. Pain from relationships in our past, when we refuse or don't deal with it, it has the potential to rob us of the best life that God possibly has for us. We cannot get to where God wants us to be until and unless we're willing to deal with the pain from a relationship in the past. Let me, let me illustrate this. Okay, uh, growing up, every once in a while, I would get a splinter, and maybe, think of the last time you got a splinter. Maybe you were doing something handy, maybe you were working on something, maybe you were closing a door and you slid your hand down or something, and you, ah, oh, and you got a splinter, right, on your, on your finger. Well, here's the thing. When you get a splinter in your finger, it's, it, it, it's not that big of a deal, right? Well, it's just a small little speck. I mean, it's, it'll, be it'll be fine. It'll be fine, right? And that's what we say, isn't it? It'll be fine. But here's the thing. Using that illustration, okay, if you, sooner or later, if you don't deal with the splinter in your finger, what begins to happen is it begins to get infected. Eventually, it begins to be very sensitive to the touch until you reach a point in your relationships, watch the illustration here, where you go to shake someone's hand, which is a good thing, or you go to high-five someone, which is a good thing. And the minute you shake their hand and they squeeze your hand to say hello, all of a sudden, that person, innocent as they can be, sends shooting pain through your entire your body. Isn't it true that a splinter left undealt with, a small pain left undealt with will eventually cause us to walk around guarded and jaded? It'll eventually cause us someone to walk up and be like, high five, and all of a sudden we're like, wait, hang on, right? Why? Because we're protecting our finger, because we're protecting that pain. And see, the exact same thing is true in our relationships, that people who haven't dealt with their emotional pain are the ones who inevitably end up hurting and get hurt the most from others. Isn't it true? Think about it. Think about the people in your office or in your school or in your workplace, okay? Think about the ones who are always getting their feelings hurt. 
Don't you know someone like that? Maybe it was not at this job, but it was your last job. Okay, and there's always the one person in the office that everyone tiptoes around. Why? Because he or she always gets their feelings hurt. No matter what gets, well, I can't, oh, I'm so offended. Oh, they hurt me. I can't believe they would say that. Oh, right, that person. Or the other side, there's always that person who no matter what they say, it, it, it's, got, it's got biting to it, right? And maybe they frame it in sarcasm or however they do that. Okay, but they hurt people with their words. Like they're the ones who are constantly lashing out at people or screaming of people are saying things that hurt people or manipulate people. Why? Okay, watch this. Those who hurt the most and get hurt the most almost always, and I would dare say always, have undealt with pain from relationships in their past that is affecting their present relationships. See, if we're going to win in life, then we have to learn how to win with others. And the way we win with others is by looking within. And here's the craziest part. When you think about the bases, right? Win with God, win inside, win with others. Third base, win results or success. Watch this. No amount of worldly success, third base, no amount of worldly success can make up for broken relationships. That when, when relationships are broken down in our life, we can't reach our full potential. I'll go so far as to say this. I'll make it spiritual. Listen, not even large amounts of God's favor can make up for relationships that are out of whack in our life somewhere. It's that powerful of a thing. That's why all of us can think of people in our life right now, can't we, who are like crazy successful. Like you look on at some of those people in your world and you go, listen, you have more money than God. Like, and yet you're not happy, yet they're not fulfilled. Why? Because the relationship base, second base, winning with others is not working for them. Why? Because they have pain that is left undealt with from a relationship in their past. And until we deal with it, we'll never win. We'll never run. We'll never live the home run life. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. What's cool is when you study the Bible, which around here at Next Level Church, we believe is God's inspired word. What you find is example after example after example, uh, illustration after illustration of people who struggled with this second base thing, who struggled in their relationships with others. One of the most famous stories is a guy named Jacob. Now, who was Jacob? Jacob is found, his story is in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it's found in the book of Genesis. If you have your Bible or if you have a smartphone, turn with me to Genesis chapter 32 because that's where we're going to land this weekend. Genesis chapter 32, and while you're turning there, let me backfill a little of his story. Okay, Jacob came from, uh, from royal lineage. Okay, His grandfather was Abraham, and Abraham was known as the father of the faith. Like Abraham was the man, okay? The children of Israel came from Abraham. He was the father of the faith. Well, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had twin boys, Esau, who was the oldest by five minutes, and Jacob, the star of our time together this weekend. Esau and Jacob, and here's the thing, when you begin to study in the Bible the story of Jacob, what you begin to see and discover is that all through Jacob's life, he struggled with winning with others. He struggled in the relationship zone of his life, all through Jacob's life. He was, he was undercutting his brother. He was at odds with his father. He, was, he had all of these relational issues that he just could not get past. 
until he gets to Genesis chapter 32. And right before this, let me set the stage for us before we look at the verse. Right before this, his relationship with his brother Esau has finally come to a head. And Jacob has done something deceptive and evil and awful to his brother, and Esau's had it. And so Esau says, you know what? That's it. Tomorrow morning, I'm hunting you down, and I'm going to kill you. Like, it's, it is on like Donkey Kong, and we're, I'm going to bring it. Like, it's on. And so Esau has decided that he's going to take Jacob out, that this is, this is the last straw. I'm done with it. So Jacob, in a moment of desperation, finds himself alone with God. And that's where we pick up the story. Genesis chapter 32, look at verse 22. Here's what it says. The night, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Don't ask. <laughs> Is this Utah? <laughs> I said don't ask. <laughs> Jacob got up, took his two wives. His two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He goes across this river. Okay, verse 23. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Look at this part. So Jacob was alone. Jacob was alone, but look what it says next. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Okay, how can you be alone but have someone there that you're wrestling with? Like, does it... What's going on there? How can he, I thought he said it was alone, and then the very next statement it says there was somebody else hanging out with him. What's going on? Here's what's going on. Theologians tell us that this man that the Bible's talking about here actually wasn't a person, that it was, it was a pre-Jesus incarnation of God himself. In other words, Jacob was alone, that's rightly said. He was alone wrestling with God. So Jacob wrestles with God all night long. Look at verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, Jacob was too strong. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Verse 26. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. In other words, the sun's coming up. I got to go. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was in a desperate state. He's wrestling with God all night long. And finally, God's like, listen, I got to go, okay? And Jacob says, no, 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 listen. I'm not, I need to be different. I need changes in my relationships. I need this thing to get better. I got to get fixed. And you're God, the only one who can do it. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And then look what he says, verse 27. The man asked him, what's your name? Okay, does anybody else think that that's funny? That God wrestles with somebody all night, and the, by morning he goes, oh yeah, by the way, who are you? Okay, here's the deal. God wasn't asking who are you because he didn't know. What's going on here? God needed Jacob to say it out loud. God needed Jacob to confess in no uncertain terms, I am a guy with issues. The man asked in verse 27, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. How do we win with others? How do we win at second base in our lives? Four ways. Here's the first. Number one, we must admit that we have issues. We have to admit that we have issues. How do we win 
with others in our life? It starts by admitting we have issues. Why did God ask Jacob, what's your name? The reason why he asked Jacob, what's your name? is because he needed him to say it out loud. You know what the name Jacob means in the original language here? The name Jacob actually means usurper, undercutter, and deceiver. In other words, Jacob's very name was a self-fulfilling prophecy about Jacob's ability in his relationships. And all his life, he had lived up to his name. He was a usurper. He was a deceiver. He was a backstabber. He was an undercutter. And so he gets to this moment of desperation where he says, God, I need something to be different in my life. I keep looking at my relationships and I can't seem to break through. I'm stuck and it's not working. God, you gotta show up. And the first thing God does is he says, listen, you, if you want me to show up and change your reality in your relationships, then you've got to own the fact that you have issues. That until you're willing to stop blaming everybody else, until you're willing to stop pointing the finger, until you're willing to own your own junk, is how we say it in my house, it'll never change. What's your name? My name's Deceiver. My name's Usurper. My name's Undercutter. My name's Backstabber. Jacob had to admit that he had issues. And listen, Next Level Church, the same is true with us. The same is true with us. Until we're willing to get to a place where we stop walking around blaming everybody else, where we stop walking around accusing everybody else, where we stop walking around making excuses as to why our life is the way it is, we're never going to see breakthrough. So let me ask you a question. How long? How long are you going to keep blaming him? How long are you going to keep blaming her? How long are you going to keep using your mom and all that she did or didn't do in the past as an excuse for why you behave the way you behave now? How long? How long are we going to keep not admitting that we have our issues? And listen, let me tell you something. Your issue is not anger. Well, they just, they make me so mad. Well, they just, okay, let it, let it, let it, hang on. Here's what you have to understand. I'm not a counselor, but I play one on TV. Okay, listen. <laughs> Anger is a surface emotion, and it is always, always, always an indicator of a splinter, of undealt with pain in our heart. So watch this. How do you start to figure out what your issues are? How do you start to figure out what those are? Here's how. Wait till the next time someone makes you angry. Wait for the next time someone bumps into your splinter, bumps into undealt with pain in your heart. And when anger rises up, or ladies, when you start in uncontrollable crying and outrage, okay, listen, when, the, when you start to see those surface emotions, guess what? That's where you call time out and you go, you know what? Hang on. This isn't about you anymore. This is about me. Because see, here's the deal. When someone high fives us and it sends shooting pain because of the splinter all the way up and down our body, we want to get mad at them. We want to point the finger, man, you hit too hard. Man, you hurt. Man, why'd you have to do that? Okay, listen, the pain's not their pain. The pain is in us. And until we're willing to admit we have a splinter, I have issues, I got to dig this down. So the minute you see yourself going to rage, going to anger, going to that emotion, extreme emotion, 
That's the moment where you call a timeout, and then here's what I would recommend. Literally, sit down, get a legal pad or something, and go, why am I so mad? Why did that make me mad? And just start writing, and just start getting it out. Because until we're willing to admit that we have issues, we're never going to be right. We're never going to be able to live the home run life. This is what happened to me. I was 23, 24 years of age. And during my late teen years and into my early 20s, there were some leaders in my life who said and did some pretty wrong things to me, to my friends. And that pain got inside of me. And when I was 23, 24, newly married, newly in ministry, that pain, that undealt with splinter started to affect my other relationships. And at 23 or 24 years of age, I had to call a timeout and go, you know what? I'm not okay. I got to get this figured out or else it's going to affect me and my decisions and my relationships for the rest of my life. I had to come to a place where I had to admit I'm not okay. Are you willing to admit that? Because you'll never reach your full potential and live the home run life until you are. How do we win at second base? How do we win with others? Here's how. Number two, we have to be willing to do the hard work required of change. We have to be willing to do the hard work required to change. Jacob was willing to do the hard work of wrestling with God and dealing with his issues. In other words, Jacob was willing to dig out the splinter. Now listen, here's the deal. In all of my life, and probably in all of yours, I've never once known digging out a splinter to be a fun process. It's not. It's just not. It's, it's no fun. It's awful. But it doesn't mean it's not right. In fact, it's the only way to healing, isn't it? Like, remember the little kid, right? And he's like, no, daddy, no, 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 okay. And then what does the dad say? Unless we dig it out, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Unless he digs it out, it's going to get worse. And some of us can't figure out why our relationships look the way they look. Worse and worse and worse. It's because we're not willing to let the father dig it out. Are you willing to do the hard work? Are you willing to do the hard work of letting God dig out those splinters? That's what I had to do when I was 23, 24 years of age. And I'll be honest with you, it took me several years, several years to get working through the things that were said and done to me and my friends from these leaders. But let me tell you something, it was worth every ounce of effort. It was worth every ounce of work that it took. Are you willing? Are you willing to do the hard work of working on you? Here's why. Because our level of success and fulfillment will never be any higher than the amount of work that we're willing to do on ourselves. Let me say that again. Our level of success and fulfillment in life will never be any higher than the amount of work that we are willing to do on ourselves. So how do we win with others? How do we win at second base? Well, first, we have to admit that we have issues. Secondly, we have to be willing to do the hard work required to change. Third, we have to forgive what we can't forget. We have to forgive what you can't forget. For Jacob, he had to work through his issues, and he had issues. Jacob had father wounds from his father Isaac, who, who, who had more in common with his brother Esau than he had with him. That was painful. That was a wound for Jacob. 
He had sovereignty of God issues. Jacob had to, to, to wrestle with God. Because see, in their day and age, birth order was everything. In their day and age, if you were born first, even if it was just by five minutes, if you were born first, then you got everything. You got the inheritance. You got the blessing. And so Jacob had to wrestle with, with God and say, God, this is not fair. God, why does he get it? Why did he come out five minutes earlier than me? Jacob had to work through those father issues. Jacob had forgiveness issues that he had to work through. For me, I had to work through those issues. And learn the process of forgiving what I couldn't seem to forget. I remember saying to my counselor back then that if, if one person in particular, that if, if he, if they would just say that they're sorry, like if, like if they would just own just a little, I just, just a little sorry, like if they would just own just a little small piece of the pain that they've caused me, and if I could just hear them say the words, Matt, I'm sorry, that if they would just own just a little bit of the, the trouble and the pain that they've caused in my heart and in my life, man, then I could go forward. Like, then that could just change everything for me. If they would just say they were, like, if they just own a little piece of it. And I remember my counselor looking back at me one day and saying, Matt, let me tell you something. That is never going to happen. They are never going to say they're sorry. Now, what are you going to do about it? Your move. It's never going to happen, Matt. So now it's up to you because you have two choices, my counselor said. He said, listen, choice number one is you hold on to that pain from your past and you let it affect every decision you ever make from now until the day you die. Or choice number two, you choose to forgive it. And you let it go once and for all, Matt. And the minute you do, now you let that decision change and affect every decision you make from now to the day you die. The choice is yours. They're never going to say they're sorry. Well, what are you going to do about it? And I remember that day wrestling with it. Wrestling with it. It's not, I'm telling you, it's not easy. None of this is easy. But it's right. How long? How long are you going to let that pain and hurt affect the decisions you make now and in the future? Isn't, isn't your marriage worth it? Aren't your kids worth it? Isn't your future worth it? Aren't the hopes and dreams that you have in your heart of what your life and your relationships could be, aren't they worth it? Aren't they worth once and for all making a decision to let go of the past, to forgive them? And listen, I understand. I understand that as long as we hold on to unforgiveness, somehow, some way, we've convinced ourselves that that is our power. That as long as I hold on to this and I keep it in my heart and I'm angry against them, and if I forgive them, here's what we think, isn't it? We think, well, the minute I forgive them, I let them off the hook. No, 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 listen, God is the judge. You're not the judge. And you holding on to that pain, holding on to that anger and that unforgiveness and that bitterness, listen, it is hurting no one but you. You have drank a poison and are waiting for another person to die. 
When do we let it go? Isn't it worth putting a date on the calendar? Where we say, you know what, after May 1st, I'm going to forgive. May 1st will be the last day that I ever hold this grudge against them. Now, here's the good news. For the next six weeks, be mad. No, 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 listen, you get to be angry, you get to be upset, you get to seethe, you get to say hateful things. I mean, you get to, I mean, no, really, just poison your kids, everyone, all, the, all your relations, put it on Facebook, because that's the best thing you can, I mean, for the next six weeks, you just pour out the wrath and the vengeance on them, and then May 1st, just be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Here, okay, all joking aside, Here, listen, some of us need to put a date on the calendar, Maybe you shouldn't wait six weeks. Maybe it should be a week or two here. And then honestly, some, here's, some of us physically need to write that person a letter forgiving them. And then on that date, burn it. Don't send it, burn it. Some, for real, some of us need to, we need to extrovert that. Like we need to get that out of our heart and declare on this date, I hereby forgive them. Now, I'm free to step into the future God has for me. How do you win with others? You win with others by forgiving, but you can't forget. How do we win with others? Number four, we determine to let God change people and handle circumstances going forward. Jacob couldn't control what Esau would do the next day. Jacob couldn't control his circumstances. He couldn't manipulate this thing this time. Jacob couldn't do that. All he could do was stand back and say, God, I trust you. God, it's out of my hands and it's in yours. God, I have to let you take control. Listen, some of us have been trying to, to control circumstances. Some of us have been trying to manipulate people and control things. Okay, listen, the more you do that, the worse it gets. This weekend, God wants some of us, so many of us, who have been bound up by relationships in the past to release them. And here's the great news. God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. If you'll let him, God wants to do surgery on your splinter this weekend. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whatever service you're in right now, would you just, can we just bow our heads in prayer? See, God is here. God is here, and God wants to do a work. He wants to do heart surgery on a bunch of us. He wants to do hurt surgery. Because some of us have some splinters that we need Jesus to heal. But he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with burdens, and I will give you rest. There's peace for your soul. Seated right where you are, listen, if that's you, here's what I want to ask you to do. I don't want you to lift your hand. I want to ask you to open them. So seated right where you are, whatever service you're in, I'm going to ask you to simply right in front of you, just, just palms up, just open your hands to God. If you need God to touch some pain from relationships in your past, would you just with me just open your hands to God. 
as a, as a posture of receptivity and a posture of release. Jesus, right now, I pray for so many of us who have been carrying around pain. God, we've been carrying around hurt. We've been carrying around bitterness because of something that happened from someone in the past. And God, it is a splinter. It is a splinter that is, is now affected and infected. It's affected everything in our life. And God, we've gotten stuck at second base and no amount of success and no amount of, of your blessing on our life has been able to penetrate this and, and, and fix it. But God, today, right now, we just confess it. And with open hands, we release it to you. God, I pray for so many of us who need to forgive someone from our past. Jesus, we let them off the hook. God, we release it. God, we know that us holding on to it is hurting no one but ourselves. So God, right now, we just forgive. We say, I forgive them. Maybe you need to do that right where you're seated. Just come on, just under your breath, just whisper it out. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. And God, with open hands this weekend, we just say, Lord, we're ready. We're ready to step into all that you have planned for our life. Jesus, we want our future to be different than our past. And so, God, we receive that now. God, thank you for setting us free. We are now free to step into all that you have destined for our life to become. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to live the home run life. God, thank you that we do that by winning with others. Jesus, I pray blessing on every person under the sound of my voice in this moment. In Jesus' name. And everyone across all of our campuses who agreed said,